HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a podcast about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and pourable with me, your host, Brian Doyle Murray, and me, Bill Murray. (laughs) I bet you didn't think I was going to be Brian Doyle Murray of all people today, did you? Nope, but I never know what to expect. I live a life of fear, always wondering what it's going to be. How are you? Happy New Year, Nicole. Happy New Year. I'm broadcasting live from New Orleans. I think it's pronounced Nolens. Also, it's fucking cold here, which is rude. I know. It's cold everywhere, especially here in New York City and in my black cold heart. I have a question for you, which I brought up earlier (laughs) today to my baristas, and I don't feel like they really wanted to answer or engage with me about it, but they're very sweet and humoring me. How long is too long to say Happy New Year? When's the official cutoff for saying Happy New Year to people? It's New Year's Eve of the next New Year. So you can say it all year? All year long, yes. That was my argument. They said don't say it at all, which I thought was very funny. They're like, um, don't ever say Happy New Year for any yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, they're just like funny like teens who are like, I don't never say it. I was like, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, what about just Happy Year? You know, once it's not really also, new anymore. They, they're like realists, the Gen Zers. So they're like, they're, it's literally not a Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, they're Buddhists. They're like, life is suffering, homie. It's not happy. It's okay at best. <laughs> I don't even think you have to be a Buddhist to think that at present. <laughs> That's true. You just have to be like not in a coma. And if you are in a coma, you also realize life is suffering. So I guess you just have to be a person. If you're in a coma, you're like, I get to sleep free of charge permanently. <laughs> I don't have to shave my legs. <laughs> I don't have to pay my bills. This is pro-coma propaganda, which I feel like we might get some back, uh, backlash for. But just well, it sounded with us. like you just said pro-coma propaganda, which is we are not that. Coma. No, although New York State is pro-Cuomo because they just <laughs> uh, announced moments ago, folks, this is just happening. There will be no charges filed against uh, 
your favorite governor, but not ours, Andrew Spicy Pepperoni Salad Cuomo. <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> and this just in from the wires of the Associated Press, Andrew Dice Clay will be taking over for Andrew Cuomo <laughs> as most gropey, creepy, chauvinistic mayor in human history. God bless him. Oh, he's going to be the mayor. <laughs> he's going to be the mayor and governor. So, oh, I mean, be better than our current mayor, who is essentially, I don't know. I can't even actually, let's not even talk about that. But um, I remember, I remember, of course I remember, it was only years ago, but uh, when I was, when I had Brucey, I was part of some like dirty joke from a line cook um, video series they were doing on Eater. And I ended my dirty joke with the um, Andrew Dice Clay impression. And somebody wrote in the comments, like, I can't believe this woman is rapping in her bra. (laughs) I was rapping as though I would ever do something so embarrassing on national television, rapping in my bra. I was just simply doing a little Miss Muffet sat on top of eating her curds and wine, you know, the smoking behind the head. But I don't know how anyone could confuse that with rapping. Well, you were rhyming, speaking rhymes out loud. That's true, but in an Italian accent. <laughs> well, this person believes that you can rap in any accent, apparently. That's true. Anyway, uh, call into the show if that was you. So you're in New Orleans. <laughs> what are you guys going to do? By the way, should we mention that you're with celebrity friend of the podcast, Ben Affleck? I mean, Mike Sala? Yeah, I'm with Mike Sala. He bought a house here, and I he generously permits me to come down here. Um and stay here for free but he can't be with us on the podcast because he's in a meeting because he is a lawyer and he has a good to do that stuff first of all I'm devastated to hear that he's not coming on I was very excited about his guest today I don't know that I can recover I'm sorry if the rest of this episode is very funny folks um (laughs) and secondly I guess my invitation to New Orleans got lost in the mail that's fine I mean, I literally woke up on New Year's Day and was like, maybe I'll just go down to New Orleans because car rentals are mad cheap. And then I texted Mike and I was like, what do you think? And he was like, sure. Yeah, I still think my invitation got lost in the mail. And that is why I am now pro-mail once again. (laughs) I'm joining the (laughs) pro-mail elite bandwagon. It didn't get lost in the mail. I mailed it to you on the day that I left and it will arrive when I'm back in Indiana. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to eat some delicious Creole food? Some etouffee? Yesterday, we just went to like um, a Tex-Mex restaurant, classic New Orleans Tex-Mex fair, um, (laughs) which people always talk about when they come down here. Um, And, but I love Tex-Mex food. So I had a great time there. So we went there and had a hilarious encounter with the server because I ordered the taco salad with two different kinds of salad dressing on the side, but I accidentally ordered the wrong one. So then when he came back, I had to get another salad dressing on the side. (laughs) Well, what dressings are we talking about here? That's the most, one of them was ranch. The taco salad comes with a chili bin. Okay. okay. A chili lime vinaigrette for the layperson. And then there's a Chipotle ranch option. And then there's a cilantro cream option. And I needed mm. to have all of those. Totally. So you've got three dressings total on purpose. Cause those all sound good. And like, you should be mixing them together. Yeah. I didn't like mix them. I, you know, tried one of each and it, the taco salad was really good. It's like a vegetarian tofu black bean taco salad. It was excellent. Really? Did um, it come in an edible bowl like a taco salad should? 
No, it's more like deconstructed. So it had like bowl spears stuck in there, and but it also came with chips. So like too much, and that's what I like. Was there sour cream plopped on top of it? Yes. Amazing guacamole. I don't think there's guac, but we started our meal off with my favorite food, dips. We got a trio of queso, salsa, and guacamole. The best, the holy trinity, of which when I was in New Mexico with Bobby, I tried to like explain to her why this was delicious. And she just like couldn't quite get with it. Like she couldn't accept that like it was actually great and that people, you know what I mean? Like that people in New Mexico liked it. Like she thought it was just like we were at like a cr- like a crappy place or something. She like couldn't really get it. Wow. But that's I did. to me mental. Um, I know. I was like, if Nicole was only here. <laughs> Yeah. It's also funny because I have been to New Orleans one other time in my life and I stayed near where Mike lives. And so I, when I was driving to his house, I drove past the cemetery that I went to when I was here the first time and I like recognized it. I was like, oh, you slept in the cemetery in a coffin? Yeah. That's, yeah. In the mausoleum. Were you in the movie yeah. Easy Rider? <laughs> I was. Yes. It's based on my life. Um, <laughs> so the other thing that I found out when I was here that I did not know because... Joan Didion had to take up all the fucking air time. Is it Anne Rice died? Oh yeah, we know that. She died before Joan Didion though. So don't blame this on Joan Didion. Anne Rice died in early December. Oh, I don't know if I knew that. I can't believe I missed it. Yeah, she died. And she left behind a full bucket of hatred for Tom Cruise. Didn't we talk about this already? How she didn't like Tom Cruise's portrayal yes. of Lestat? She said he is not my Lestat. Exactly. Not like um, not my president. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the same thing. I mean, um, jo- the Mike Sala though loves an interview with a vampire and he watches it three times a year. He told me last night. What, like on any specific days? Like his birthday, Christmas, and like the 4th of July? Probably. Those are probably the, those are the only days that I can think of. Not like Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> he loves it because it's funny or he loves it because it's sexy or he actually like straight face loves it. He loves it because of Kirsten Dunst. Oh, wow. Yes, she's great. She's a revelation. However, I find, I mean, it is, I like think it's funny, but yeah, it's hilarious. It's also boring, which is the same It's problem. also just like another example of how Brad Pitt, God rest his soul, is not a very good actor. <laughs> oh my God. Thank God you mentioned Brad Pitt because I almost forgot something that I wanted to mention. So earlier I was on your favorite website, Instagram. And I was just some force feeding of ads and I see a picture of Brad Pitt. And the next thing that comes up is like the description of what it is. So it's like for a company called Enroot or something or drink root, whatever. It's some like unalcoholic, unalcoholic, non-alcoholic drink. And there's a picture yeah. of Brad Pitt in this, the text. As our founder, Brad Pitt's vision in birthing Enroot is to bring to life an elevated wellness experience that can pair with fine gastronomies around the world. His creativity, instincts, and experience as an artist, entrepreneur, philanthropist are a wonderful and integral part of our community. Sending love and well wishes for a wonderful year ahead, comma, be plant emoji. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's really interesting that Brad Pitt got sober right at the time that these sort of non, non-alcoholic non spirits are really getting traction. Like, it's really great timing. 
Kowinky dink? I think not. I was very disappointed to hear this kind of, uh, this writing from Brad Pitt because I really expected more from him. Also, he's writing about himself in the third person, I guess, or left to assume. Uh, well, obviously, he did not write that. Um, he signed it. B. He can, <laughs> he can barely spell. Um, so, like, the B in B root is Brad root. It's Brad root. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, the uh-huh. name Brad is a terrible name. It is. It's unfortunate. Never name your children Brad, people. Or Keith. That's another no-no from me. Um, but, so, the other thing, I was joking around when I arrived and i was like where is brad pitt's house because he famously moved down here during hurricane katrina which i also keep making jokes about because i <laughs> because about was, hurricane katrina yeah well because there was a um, much more recent hurricane like last year Henri, that fucked right. shit up here and so like mike has a fence in the backyard that's messed up from the hurricane and i was like from katrina <laughs> and he's like dude no but so brad had moved here during katrina and he started this like rebuilding program for rebuilding houses in the ninth ward and i just like looked up to see if he still had a house here and all of the houses that that foundation built are being the foundation was being sued because they all started to fall apart immediately (gasps) brad and now you want to start a root drink company i mean geez do one thing right although he was very good in once upon a time in hollywood Yes. So obviously Brad Pitt should not be trusted to build a home for you. Hopefully he's got, maybe he's got some other people like in the beverage industry that are hopefully doing some of the work on this Brad Root drink because otherwise it's going to completely Brad fall apart. Root. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let this be your follow-up to meet Joe Black. Uh, my favorite film. Um <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Well, I hope you guys have a very fabulous time together. Oh, yeah. We're going to go to one of the old tiny restaurants tomorrow. Which one? We're going to go to our nodes. Oh, how fun. Because we we're, we're, it was recommended to us to go to a different one whose name I've just forgotten. Um, but they're only open Thursday through Sunday, and I'm leaving on Thursday. So oh, Okay. That's well, that sounds very fun. Should we talk all about, or at all, about um, Sex in the City? Oh, yeah. So I came, I arrived at Mike's house, and as soon as he finished work, we were, like, joking around about the new season, and he had seen the most recent episode, which I had not seen. But I just actually started watching, I was not, I had only seen the first two, so I was watching the third episode while he was working. And then he was like, once you finish this, third episode we have to skip immediately to the most recent episode because you so have you skipped to skipped for a while altogether so you did not see the episode where charlotte needs to cultivate a black friend so she can have a dinner well, i went party. back and watched it later oh calm down um I'm sorry i just wanted to make sure in the moment he was like you absolutely must see this scene and so i watched it we didn't even watch the episode at first we just went straight to the sex scene um so Miranda has a sex scene with Shady Diaz, which now has become a meme. Uh, <laughs> and it is alarming. It is. And I mean, also hilarious. Like I now Mike and I watched it 
75 times in a row last night. Uh, I had to close my ears, to be honest. I had to close my ears. I couldn't stand the sound of it. And it just, I mean, it just made me like uncomfortable and scared because I was like, is this how you start coming when you're in your fifties? Like this, like, but also she came immediately as soon as they kissed. I know. So I'm like, wow, JD has has some skills. Cause I am like, wow, this is in my experience, not possible. (laughs) It was it was wild, but also just like the gall to fuck, like to have a loud orgasm like that while your friend is like recovering in the next room feet away. It's just so outrageous, you know, in like a junior one bedroom. Yeah, totally. And also we went back for side by side comparisons of both Carrie's apartment, which I feel like is bigger in the new one. It's grown. And also for Miranda's like orgasm sounds because, you know, she has one like pretty much every episode of the original so right this was definitely different it was more mature now my biggest problem with this episode honestly is not her orgasm sounds it was the fact that she had to look up how to make a negroni online (laughs) (laughs) she was like carefully reading the instructions now also if we're like made to believe this woman is an alcoholic and like has never made she's like just now feeling like i should like try a Negroni I mean mm-hmm. it's very unbelievable also like I can't understand why these writers have to do every single possible thing that is like of now like let's have her making a Negroni let's have Charlotte have like a non-binary kid who like we need to talk about that not that that's bad at all but like they have to explore every current topic after exploring no current topics ever before it's very strange yes. They're like, wow, Negronis and non-binary. That is where we're at in the new woke dictionary. It's just like ignoring any plot. Like, I don't know. It's just like, why don't we? It's wild. I can't wait for the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) The, yeah, this sex scene though is just really blowing up the internet and it's cracking me up. And so if you have time and obviously we spoiled a lot here, spoiler alert, Spoiler alert, you protect your cates and your ojos. It's very unnerving. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, we already spoiled it, and now we're letting you know that we just spoiled it. Um, so yeah, there is there is a consummation of, with Miranda and Che Diaz, and yeah, but it's very, 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 very funny. Also, it's very funny. The person who plays Che Diaz, Callie from Grey's Anatomy, is 46 years old. And so we are to believe, I'm assuming that they're not supposed to be that old in the show because right. at the end of their sex scene, Chadia says, DM me if you want to hang out sometime soon. Exactly. DM me. <laughs> Two adult humans who have just had sex. Like, I don't Middle-aged know. people. Middle-aged human beings. Very wild. The whole thing is very, very strange. But please go ahead and watch... Nicole and I were joking last night before I went to sleep that I was because Breton had said, I hope they all die in the end. And then I said, maybe they'll all die waiting in line for a cronut. Yeah, that would be a lovely throwback. Um, An asteroid just simpler, A simpler time. <laughs> but they've um, just heard of cronuts because that's how like yeah. trend chasing there. Should we, wait, before we get into our topic, I have to announce that I have not seen... What is the movie called that I'm thinking of? 
I don't know. With Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Adam Driver. Uh, what? That's a movie? Yeah, it's, it's like on television now. It's about, it's a comedy. <laughs> Just kidding, it's not Oh, where he's like the last giving duel. advice. The last, the last duel. Jewel? Duel. Jewel. The last duel. It's a period piece. They play knights. I think it's about rape. I haven't watched it. I really wanted to so that I could talk about it and, and joke about it on the show, but I figured we should both watch it. Apparently, Ben Affleck has a long hairdo. Oh, no. Well, I do have some Ben Affleck news that's not related to this movie that you're going to okay. force me to watch. Yeah, um, a Merry Christmas? <laughs> yeah, that's the news. He did have a Merry Christmas, but also he clarified that he's not an asshole for saying that he would have stayed drinking if he would have stayed married to Jennifer Garner. And why is he not an asshole because of that? Well, that was taken out of context because right after that, he said that he loves and respects Jennifer Garner and that she loves and respects him. So, like, he is mad. So, not really what he said. And then a story came out that JLo was pissed that he said that. But the truth is, JLo was not pissed that he said that. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for clearing the air on that because I have been not able to sleep because of it. Yeah. I just like that she was like, um, no, I support Ben in everything he does, including dragging his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it should have been me because he was engaged to me first. Whatever. It should have been my... All right, should we get into our topic today? What is it even? It's the 1970s, people. The topic you've been wanting us to do for New Year's ever since we started the podcast. You're welcome. Yep, it is the 1970s. Um, so I decided to do a really boring topic in within the umbrella of the 1970s but we can liven it up but so my topic is based on a study that is basically how in 1977 the united states released its first set of dietary guidelines um and how that contributed to actual declining health in americans because they're fucking morons interesting (laughs) let's hear it i can't wait is there any freaky diets in here no. So, well, besides the one that the United States told us that we should follow. <laughs> okay. That is pretty freaky. I just didn't know if you were going to touch on like the avoiding swamps diet or anything like that, which by the way, you should do while you're in New Orleans, avoid swamps. Oh, really quickly though. That reminds me of a funny story. So during Hurricane Henri, Mike Sala was not down here, but he heard that the Walgreens that he goes to, there was a, a whole large size alligator just hanging out outside of it because it got like blown there in the hurricane. <laughs> poor little guy poor guy he's not little he was not little <laughs> maybe he just wanted a COVID like, vaccine he was just waiting outside the Walgreens waiting for his prescription to get filled but apparently <laughs> his like there was like a big like flooding in the parking lot so there was like water there and he was just like I live here now because this is where the wind took me <laughs> yeah he got floated in he came in with the tide yeah but probably um they didn't let him stay there I'm assuming because he's not there now unless he works there now we should check the photo department that's that's true we should um so anyway sorry sidebar new orleans sidebar um in 1977 the first dietary guidelines for the united states was published in an attempt to reduce people getting diet related diseases like diabetes and cardiovascular disease (laughs) diabetes Um, wilford Brimley. (laughs) why did he say it like that sorry but why did he say diabetes like that like wasn't it anyone at any point ever like, Wilford, it's diabetes. Why are you saying diabetes? 
Well, he's like a classically trained actor, so he was playing a role. Um, so choices were made, Zara. He's dead now. So anyway. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so basically, the, according to this study, the, the guidelines were well-intended, but I don't know if that's true. But they, um, they essentially caused a major overhaul of the food industry and the average person's idea of what healthy eating is and eventually did contribute to the decline in the overall health and the increased obesity and related diseases in america um Ooh. and nowadays you know so i'm going to refer to obesity a lot in this because the study calls it that but like now we know that like even obesity and like the way it's defined is like kind of fucked up and like so what i'm mostly referring to in this is like related diseases that obesity is like linked to sure but like whatever we know how and where you stand on yeah obesity. Um, you hate it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my god, these earbuds fell out of my ears because I don't understand how they're supposed to stay in there. It's very confusing. You have to have a strong ear canal. Did you also see? Sorry, I keep digressing here, but there's also like a, like a fucking internet, like a magazine article about how the hip young teen celebrities are not wearing AirPods. They're wearing like wired headphones and like that's the new cool thing and i was like i never switched to airbots because they're fucking I weird. Did. I don't. you know what's not fucking cool when you get your wired headphones snagged on something and they pull out of your ears honestly of all my pet peeves i have in life it's my number one i cannot stand it it drives me crazy and it ruins my whole day <laughs> so i'll well, never I go don't back. like it when my airpods fall out of my ears which they do constantly so for me it's a no I'm an over-the-ear, if we really want to get into this, I'm an over-the-ear, old-fashioned headphone person, but wireless. Those are are ugly. No. They're comfortable. (laughs) They make sense. They don't collect earwax inside of them, which is fucking amazed. Okay. Let's get back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll we'll get more into this next episode. (laughs) On our next earphone episode. Um, so basically leading up to this fucking guideline, they were, there were a lot of studies coming around and they basically, they were like the biggest problem, the biggest contributor to cardiovascular disease or diseases of the heart are, is that, and like, there's some studies that were published. There weren't a lot of studies, um, but the, one of them was like a, like a big one that was impressive enough that they were like, okay, that is the problem. So that's how they sort of got into the place that they're in. But I want to start before that so we can kind of figure out how this all happened. So before the guidelines of the 1970s, the food industry was like changing really fast. So packaged foods actually came around in the early 20th century, but the pesky depression kept that industry from taking off right away because you know, people were like, well, I don't have any food in the dust bowl and I don't really want a hot dog, you know? Sure. Um, so for the most part, even though packaged food had been invented, people were still majority eating their own farmed food or grown food. Um, and then during World War II, post-depression, they sent all the packaged food to the soldiers, which is mean for the regular people left back in America. Um, so they just weren't eating it still. And, but there was propaganda that promised once the war was over, there would be so much extra food for everyone to have. And that turned out to be true. So the, post, the post-war United States had an economic and population growth. America's 
gross domestic product grew by 400%. Wow. And that's a lot. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything to me, but it does remind me of this really funny commercial that I saw when I was a kid, which was a commercial advertising highlights magazine, which is like a magazine for oh children. Oh my God. Yes. I remember. I used to love getting highlights magazine. So the commercial show, like they're like kids need their own reading material. And so it shows these young children reading the newspaper in the morning. And one of the kids turns to the other kid and then holding like the finance section. And he's like, what's so gross about the national product? <laughs> and I thought very that was good very one. funny. Very funny. Um, so like kids can't understand this, but neither can I. So I don't know. But <laughs> um. So whatever, Thing, you know, everybody knows what happens after the war. We get the suburbs or chill now. Everyone gets the American dream, which is like their white picket fence in the yard in the suburbs. And we build fucking highways everywhere and everyone starts driving and they stop walking around. Basically, everyone becomes perfectly still at all times. Um, <laughs> in addition to becoming perfectly still, we have fast food really ramping up more cheaper cars so everyone can have a car apparently pizza delivery started in the 60s which i did not know yeah i did not realize it was happening already so yeah you could get a pizza delivered from Domino's in the 1960s who knew um i guess people in the 60s and 70s 80s 90s and beyond yeah they i guess they were aware of that um otherwise they would have gone into business nobody knew about it um in addition to all of this happening, by 1975, half of all women of working age were working, <laughs> which had not been the case before because of like the stay-at-home mom situation, right. which is crazy to me that like 50% of women that were not in the workforce became in the workforce in 19... Like, that's wild. That's why there's so many, like, like the movie um, where Michael Keaton stays at home and the mom goes to work. What is that? Batman? No, Mr. Mom. Uh, miss, I know. <laughs> Wouldn't it You're be just... funny if that was the plot of Batman? And it was just a Batman that stayed at home and looked after a baby. He's like, gosh, I really, I have stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> I have this super fast car and it's not doing anything. I'm getting sweaty um, in the suit. Okay. Um, yes, so yeah, there's Mom. lots of, you know, movies about women going into the workforce and that was just like really changing but what was really changing was the fact that like these ladies were like super tired when they get home and then they come home they become perfectly still in front of the tv and they just want like a fast meal which right this part of the study made me sort of laugh because like i think this is like talking points from like the people are like stop being so fat everyone but i'm like sure yes some of this is true but i don't think this is why specifically we all got so fat but whatever um People are like, oh no, moms aren't cooking anymore. Everyone's being full of diabetes. And the government was like, we have to do something. So there were actual studies before the 70s, as I mentioned, that identified LDL and HDL cholesterol. So this was in the 50s. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that they figured that out is they ultra centrifuged rabbit serum, you know, like you yeah. do. And they were like, serum. And they were like, okay, well, this is saturated fat and this is CHD levels. And like, if you have too much saturated fat, you will die. So it's bad. Um, and the nutritionists that were like, this study seems realistic enough to me. So we're going to go ahead and say that it's true. And then the American Heart Association in 1961 was like, dude, fat is not chill. You cannot have real fat anymore. You need to eat shortening and margarine only. Oh, God. <laughs> 
come on. Guys. And so these, you know, so this is this, like this stuff was like in the air, and people were hearing this, and then eventually it all coalesced into like these hearings that they had about nutrition, where they're like, everyone, it's important that we make these guidelines about how there's no fat. And so in 1977, they created this guideline and so here is a little quick rundown of what they want you to eat or not eat so they want you to have higher carbs they want you to have 60 percent of your energy coming from carbs they want you to have less fat only 30 percent of your energy can come from fat you can't have any saturated fat you have to reduce your cholesterol to 300 milligrams a day (laughs) um doesn't seem like a lot i don't really know Seems like a ton. Um, I don't know what milligram. What are you supposed to have? A milligram? I don't know. I have no a idea. Mil- I a single milligram? The way 300 milligrams doesn't seem like very many milligrams. No, you're, like- you're absolutely right. It does not. <laughs> you're absolutely um, right. You're supposed to reduce sugar to 15% of your total intake, and you have to reduce salt to three grams a day, which Get seems- the hell out of here. Well, actually, I don't know. That doesn't seem not okay. Think about it in like cocaine. Like think about three grams of cocaine. That's is that a lot of salt? Kind of. I don't know. Not very much. It I seems guess. like a. I don't know. It seems like a lot. It's, it's definitely more than you're allowed to have of cholesterol, right? Because they're milligrams, three hundred milligrams. For sure. <laughs> definitely not if you're eating deli turkey, which I recently have. Uh, I bought for the first time in like I don't know a decade to have at my house. And um, that's just fucking salty. It's so yeah, delicious. It's, it's so salty. <laughs> I like to eat it with just a little piece of cheese in there. Just no bread. Quick sandwich on the go. Okay. Um, they wanted you to also increase fruits and vegetables, which sounds fine, and eat more fish and poultry. Sounds great. They did insist that you drink non-fat milk instead of full-fat milk, which we all know now is wrong. And don't eat butter fat or eggs because they're too much cholesterol. Um, so. These guidelines worked. Um, people listened to them. The food industry went along with it to an extent. They were pissed off at birth, but what could they do? I mean, eventually eggs had that comeback commercial. Um, <laughs> Good for eggs. But that was the incredible edible egg came back. But um, total fat intake decreased in Americans from 1980 to 97, 41%. Wow. But yet people got bigger. Yeah. So like people, well, don't spoil the end of my, I'm sorry. Um, people, 41% stopped eating fat. As we all know, we have a whole like multiple episodes where we talk about like snack wells and the fat free movement and all that ridiculousness and Olestra. Um, so when these guidelines were released, heart disease was the number one killer of Americans. Um, and it still is, but less people are keeling over. Less people started keeling over from heart disease around the time that these guidelines were released. So there could be a correlation, but what the study points out is that it's not just the guideline. It's not just like removing fat from your diet because there's no such thing as like fat that exists alone in someone's diet, right? Except for you, Zara, who eats butter by itself all the time. <laughs> <That's> true, <laughs> you got me. Um, but most people, you know, that's not, it's not like a singular item. It's in other items. It's processed in other ways. And it's, right. you know, it's just like not possible to sort of like make a one-to-one conclusion. Sure. Um, 
And the other thing that they talk about, they, they go into all the details about like how fat is and they mentioned things like medium chain triglycerides and bile salts but I don't think we want to talk about that because I don't want to talk about that no Um, no, I hate bile salts very boring the other thing that came about because of this is this huge massive push to consume soybean oil which they at the time they thought was good for us because it has like omegas in it and so it basically like people in the year 1998 Point zero 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 six of the population ate soybean oil. <laughs> and then it became like the fourth most consumed food and the fourth most consumed source of calories in the American diet um, after this happened. So, so it also, of course, became a huge government subsidized crop and they put it in everything. And soybean oil is not stable, which then led to hydrogenating it to make it more stable which led to all the hydrogenated fat which we actually do know is very bad for us and we actually do have studies that link that specific type of oil to big health problems um and the reason that it even existed at all is because of this fucking study that came out that was supposed to make everyone healthier so so the other yeah the other thing that's um, you know, then also there's the whole thing about the Mediterranean diet being like the healthiest diet, which is like, whatever. Um, but it's a higher fat diet, obviously. And then the other thing is that we have, so like the number of people that are considered overweight has remained state like the same basically since back then, but the number of people that are identified as obese has increased massively since we implemented these dietary guidelines. And so it it failed miserably and it also did the thing where it made people like confused and misinformed like it oversimplified what they were recommending in the first place and so it just created this whole like confusion and then yeah so basically people are more obese than they ever have been before we failed the government can't be trusted and absolutely and also capitalism just continues to fuel you know, I mean, it's a huge part of it, right? It's just making things cheaper yeah. um, and, and also, more addictive. And also, the thing is, like, eggs and milk and butter are good for you. Like, yes, of course. Very, like, you know, animal products, you know, you could argue, maybe you can avoid them, and that's fine and good. But the actual, like, fatty acids and comes from, like, these actual, like, things is really good for you. And... Yes, I mean, like, it's uh, not to like get in a big conversation length about this, but my personal belief, and I, it's backed up by my medical journals that you know I love, um, yeah. is that like things that come from the earth that are kind of pure are good, good for you know what I mean, like quote unquote good for you, and it doesn't matter if it's fatty or it's whatever. It's like what is available, what we are supposed to be eating, right? And so as yeah. the more you intervene with that chemically or you modify it, it becomes less and less advantageous for you to be putting in your body. That being said, there's also a joy component to life. So I think, you know, I'm not certainly not someone who's never going to like have a cool ranch Dorito, but I just try to. Oh, I love it. Well, I like a regular Dorito. Well, salsa verde is my number one. Well, that's also delicious, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like I think yes. that you can eat and, and whatever. Eat whatever yeah. you want. The world's ending. It doesn't really matter, but yeah, don't exactly. The government. That's a good good point. Eat the incredible edible egg, okay, guys. Shove your face full of eggs like Paul Newman and Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, cool. Let's take a break and we'll come back and I have another story for you guys about the 1970s. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Oh, hey, babies, we are back. That's my 1970s voice. Did it work? Okay. (laughs) Yes, now we're in the 70s. Welcome to the 1970s. Welcome to my UFO. Um, So I'm going to do the story today of Nicole's favorite president, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Nicole, why do you love Nixon? Yeah, why do you love Richard Nixon so much? Can you tell everyone? What is it about him? I love him so much because he has um, a lot of rubber masks around and I feel like that to me is like the sign of a really good president because you have a lot of likenesses of you like swirling around and like in movies like Point Break totally yes thank you for your contribution to Point Break a great film um just kidding Richard Nixon was <laughs> pure evil we, we do not endorse Richard Nixon on this podcast don't vote for I him I think he's fine <laughs> I mean yeah don't vote you think for he's him. fine like he's hot no, I don't think he's attractive. Fan. But he stop saying that. It's not the seventies. Think he's fan. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, hot for Nixon. All presidents are evil. APAB. Uh-huh. All presidents are bastards. Um, Richard Nixon is also one of the shittier ones, but you know, yeah, he's shitty. He did like every other one of them. They're all very shitty. But yeah. He loved cottage cheese, which is why I think you're a Nixon sympathizer. Well, that's what I was about to say, but I didn't know if it was going like, to spoil the end of your story. So, yes, obviously his love of cottage cheese is what first endeared me to him and what has become a lifelong love affair with Dick Nixon. <laughs> Tricky Dicky Nixon. Okay, so I got <laughs> my information today from an article in The Equation by Karen Perry Stillerman, an, an article in Atlas Obscura by Ann Eubank, and a Vice Munchies article. So I'm going to talk to you about all the things about Richard Nixon that are related to food. Don't worry, there's not that many, but those ones I found are very funny. Why did I decide to do this? Because I thought of Watergate salad and I went from there. We will end with that. So just hang on, folks. Hold on to your butts. So Richard Nixon, as we mentioned just moments ago, was fucking hot for cottage cheese. He loved it. He spread it everywhere. He was a good looking man. Let's all just be honest. (laughs) I don't know about that. <laughs> was he? Not to no. me. No, he's not. Oh, okay. I thought you were like finally copping to your Nixon fetish. No, he's he's no bad pitch. Do you think he orgasms better or worse than Cynthia Nixon? <laughs> mm. Or the same? Well, 
Nixon has ever met Tadius. I don't know if it's a good, it's like apples to oranges. You know? Oh my God. <laughs> I really wish somebody would superimpose fucking Richard Nixon into that scene. If, if anyone's good at Photoshop out there, please do that for my birthday. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. So a typical day in the Nixon White House, according to the Nixon Library, somebody's very, this is a lot of pro-Nixon propaganda, started with fresh fruit, wheat germ, coffee, and cottage cheese topped with, excuse me, hold for a gagging sound. You know, I don't like to make fun of people's food things, but with ketchup for breakfast. Come on. Where is the wheat germ coming into play? Would that not be on the cottage cheese? I mean, I guess. And also ketchup, which is, again, I don't want to kink shame people what they like to eat, but the thought of Richard Nixon slurping down cottage cheese with ketchup and drinking coffee, uh, I don't know. It makes me ill. makes me feel ill. Maybe the wheat germ is sprinkled onto the fresh fruit. Let's hope, okay? Maybe he mixes (laughs) the coffee with the ketchup and then pours it all over the cottage cheese. This guy was a real freak. We don't know. Maybe it was a smoothie. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Uh, A little sweet, a little salty. Okay, so... He also loved his wife's meatloaf. Isn't that adorable? And they would eat it all the time. He would make the chefs make Pat's meatloaf. They became obsessed. The nation became obsessed with it. They published recipes for it. Uh, long story short, it's basically just regular meatloaf. There's nothing special about it has whatsoever. Ketchup on it. So of course, it's doused in ketchup and it's eaten with more ketchup on the side, which that works for me. That is a yes for me, dog. I think that he probably, I bet there's something more sinister at play like, Big ketchup gave him a lot of money during his campaign or something, and he had to start using it all the time in that White House. Absolutely. They're like, wash your hair with this shit. Do everything with it. <laughs> Brush your teeth with it. Um, for lunch, according to the White House Family Cookbook, Nixon opted for cold foods like cucumber mousse, cold poached salmon, and gazpacho because chilled like meats were very au courant. Uh, in the 1970s, and it was a time when there was like a lot of gelatin encased meats and aspects and jiggly fish sure. and all that stuff. So he was chomping away on that for lunch. She was like, Cucumber me- mousse, eh? Yeah. He's like, Give me a cucumber mousse. And then all of a sudden they wheel out a giant mousse, uh, a likeness of a mousse made out of cucumbers. And he goes, Try again. <laughs> that would be a delight, though. I know. Can you imagine nibbling at full horns? Oh, today, I don't know if you saw my Instagram, I went to the vegetable store to get lemons and I was walking down the aisle and I see a big cucumber shaped like a dick. I mean, not just shape, they're all shaped like dicks, but this one had like a head on it too. Yeah, yeah, that was very nice. It was really shocking. I hope somebody bought it. Um, okay, anyway, there was also a creation called Spicy Pepperoni Salad, which sounds delicious to me and uh, coincidentally is Governor ex-Governor Cuomo's middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Spicy Pepperoni Salad Nixon Cuomo. Um, the president's historic trip to... Oh, no one can figure out what was in Spicy Pepperoni Salad. I like to think like pickled, pickled pepperoncini, pepperoni, mm. olives, tomatoes, sorry, red onions, sorry, but that's what I think was in it. Yeah, um, and like an Italian dressing, maybe? Yes, an Italian dressing. Maybe even a fucking creamy Italian dressing. That sounds Maybe really the good. pepperoni was even crispy. That would be really oh, good. Oh, crispy pepperoni salad? Nobody take this idea. I'm making it. I'm making it. <laughs> trademarking marking it. <laughs> um, so here's an interesting factical for you, is that when Nixon went in 1972 to China, um, there was a rocky relationship between the two nations at the time um in the two decades like now no now it's fine every we love each other it's great yeah um 
in the two besties. Me and China are going on vacation to the Jersey Shore later this summer. Okay, the two decades since China's communist revolution, the country's Cold War relationship had ranged from muted hostility to narrowly avoided war. So when he went, it was a big deal. Um, and there was tons of media coverage around it. According to a Gallup poll at the time, more Americans heard, uh, heard or read about Nixon's visit than any other event in Gallup's history. So there was like huge banquets with all this food. Um, and one of the most kind of popular banquets, I believe it was like one of the first nights he was there, uh, the Chinese staff cooked an almost entirely duck menu. Um, and sure. it was apparently the first time he had ever like had duck. And he called it his, he said it was his favorite meal from the visit. So as people are like watching this go down, like Nixon eating all this like kind of more traditional Chinese food, um, Americans were really like now itching to try more exotic, like uh, Chinese American cuisine. So like Chinese restaurants in New York and like all over the country, like started selling like mushu and sweet and sour fish and Peking duck. Um, one Chinese American restaurant tour said that when her restaurant first opened, she couldn't quote, give away a Peking duck. Uh, Nixon, she added, was the greatest quote salesman for the Peking duck. Now many people want it. <laughs> it's true they do it's good I, I would have never assumed that would have had anything to do with americans love of chinese american food or chinese food in america but um it's very interesting and i also love peking duck so thank you very much tricky dick nixon for that <laughs> so another thing this kind of crosses over to what you were talking about um is that nixon had an agriculture secretary named earl butts now it's always funny when someone's last name is Butts. I don't. Um, and your first name is Earl. Yeah, the Earl. Yeah, my name is Earl Butts. The um, Earl of Butts. <laughs> the Earl of Butts. So he basically undid decades of FDR's uh, supply management policy. Um, he had an attitude like uh, basically get big or get out towards the farming industry in America. He wanted to maximize and consolidate farming and production. Um, this article that I read goes on to say that today, one might argue we have Nixon and Butts to thank for persistent fertilizer pollution in our nation's waterways, for high fructose corn syrup, and for the power and deception of the food industry and for enduring crisis of obesity and dye-related disease. So Earl yeah, Butts was very soybean. big on pushing corn, too, like soybeans, soybeans and corn, yeah, right? So totally. Yes. Like making sure that there was big corn farms and this is a much larger story, but like just to kind of touch on it. And because of that, they had to do something with corn syrup and thus um, we eat a lot of it. And, you know, as much as it can be delicious and things, I'm not saying I never have corn syrup, but it certainly is not good for your body. It's not really digestible. It's you not processable. Pecan pie, right? Yeah. So pecan pie is delicious though. So who's to say? Um, okay. So, as Nixon was facing angry voters, his solution, which was ultimately to increase the production of sugar, was achieved in three steps. Getting the farmers to lobby on side to bring food prices under control. Nixon had to get the farmers um, to lobby, so he hired um, an academic from the farming heartland of Indiana to broker the compromise. Mass-producing corn butts pushed farmers into new industrial scale of production and into farming one crop in particular corn and then turning corn into sugar based on a Japanese innovation that was enabled the, that enabled the mass production of high fructose corn syrup 
uh, it was soon pumped into every conceivable conceivable food, pizzas, coleslaw, and meat. And um, Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola and potato chips and all this other shit. So here we are, 1972. Bob Woodward, otherwise known as Robert Redford, and Carl Bernstein, otherwise known as Dustin Hoffman, or if you're a Nora Ephron fan, Jack Nicholson, break into the water, break the Watergate story in the Washington Post. The scandal stems from the Nixon, in case anyone is unfamiliar with actually what happened in Watergate, just here's a quick overview. Scandal <laughs> stems from the Nixon's administration, continual attempts to cover up his involvement in the 1972 break-in of the Democratic National Committee headquarters in the Watergate Hotel office building. And then, of course, they covered it up, and that is why Nixon was, Nixon, Nixon was impeached. Um, he swears he was well, not... He, he resigned. Right. He was impeached, but then he resigned after, like, an impeachment hearing. Had Yeah, exactly. He resigned from office. But the pe- famous... He's like, I am not said he wasn't correct. Correct. He also said he wasn't a cook, which is another thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was misheard. He said, I am not a cook. <laughs> right. He's like, Pam, Pat does all the cooking in this house. Yeah. Pat makes the best meatloaf. Has nothing to do with me. Um, so anyway, witnesses testified that he had proved plans to cover up the administration's involvement. And that is where his downfall really came in. Now, he resigns from office on August 9th, 1974. His last meal as president was cottage cheese, canned pineapple, and a glass of milk, <laughs> which seems redundant and like you're trying to give yourself colitis. It's too much dairy, my friend. Well, this um, was before the guidelines came out, so it was probably fully fattening milk. And Yeah, but I'm just thinking about like phlegm, like so much phlegm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ugh, yeah. Like whole milk and cottage cheese together is quite a lot of dairy it's a lot in one sitting so that was a big dairy day for him it was a big dairy day but this is coming from me somebody who ate like three pounds of spinach and artichoke dip the other day in like one sitting (laughs) it was Um, a big dairy day for america that's true um so i now want to talk about nixon's most important um impact on american culture which is without a doubt the watergate salad which, which is I've what's never heard of. Burned my whole interest. Nope. It's, you've heard of it. You love it. You know it. We've all had it. Just kidding. <laughs> Many of us have never tried it, including myself. But I have heard of it. It's one of those kind of things that you see on like 70s dinner party or that like Instagram yeah. handle or whatever. It's just like, you know, the 70s were very notorious for having all types of things they called salads, but were really just like marshmallows and like fish together. Mayonnaise. Like it just marshmallows, mayonnaise, and meat it was like a salad yeah. it's like there's nothing salad about this i'm not really sure it's like when you go to england they call everything a pudding it's like a fucking lollipop they're like it's a pudding and i'm just like i have to get out of here <laughs> <laughs> i'm confused so I anyway. to go back to the land where everything is a salad exactly um okay so while watergate salad was like popularly associated with Kraft's instant pistachio pudding mix that used to have like a recipe on the back. Um, it may have not been a Kraft original. There were already popular brands of instant pistachio pudding on the market and whipped cream top-based fruit salads um, were like a standard by the time. But anyway, this combines Cool Whip, chopped pecans, mini marshmallows, canned pineapple, and dried pistachio pudding mix. Then you serve with cherries on top. Pecans and not pistachios, because they're 
hardier? I'm going to get all wet. Maybe it was hard to find like shelled pistachios back then. Sure. I don't know, but this doesn't sound like so disgusting, but it doesn't sound desirable to me whatsoever. I do love that jello pudding pistachio flavor, I have to admit. Yeah, so I, I would probably all, I would eat it, but like one If bite. someone had it at a at a party, I would taste it for sure. I also love cool whip. Yeah, cool whip's delicious. Pecans are good, canned pineapple. I mean, all the components, I'm just not sure about them together, but I'm not sure if I'll ever have an opportunity to taste it, but if it, it one arose, I would have one bite. Yeah, send one into the show, someone. Please send us two bites. We'll each need a bite. Nicole's is going to Indiana. Mine's coming right here to Brooklyn, New York. So <laughs> intriguingly, in 1925, Helen Keller, you know her, you love her, uh, even published a recipe for Golden Gate salad, a similar combination of cream nuts and pineapple, though it didn't have any pistachio pudding. Creamed nuts. Cream and nuts. Cream, oh, nuts, cream and pineapple. And... Okay. So maybe Helen Keller invented this. We'll never know. But anyway, that's my story. I didn't know that she had like a cookbook situation. Oh, yeah. She's a famous cookbook. <laughs> Famed cookbook author, Helen Keller. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, but it's, uh, it's funny. Um, so that's my story. That's my whole entire story. I'm Sorry. <laughs> It's really great. It's really, really good. I'm just... Um, You're yawning. I'm You're literally yawning. yawning. I'm yawning because I am so happy and excited. Get the fuck out of here. You're awful. What are your three favorite, like, 1970s style foods? Do you have anything on, in mind that you could share with the group? Mm, I don't... I just really like the ones that are, like, savory gelatin encased peas and meat chunks. Mm. Dan, our friend Dan Romeo, tells a story often about how when their parents were young, they would do all kinds of like funky stuff. And they say that like um, their folks made like an igloo out of mashed potatoes. It was like a big, <laughs> like a big project. Like, is beef Wellington in the 70s? I like that. No, no, that's older, but it is delicious. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was made in the 70s. One very popular 70s treat that I like is cheese fondue. Oh, yeah. Fondue was all the rage. Yeah. Um, and I like pigs in a blanket, which again, weren't necessarily invented in the seventies, but if I think about like a seventies, like, yeah, I think about things like include things encased in things, right. So are they encased in gelatin, are they encased in pastry? Right. That's why I thought of beef Wellington, but you know, I really like diet soda. So that was invented in, in the seventies, I think. Yeah. That sounds, at least it was at the very least, popularized in the 70s. Yeah. It seems like it should be, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> totally. Um, well, folks, thank you for tuning in to our 1970s New Year Spectacular. Happy year to you. It's a year. It's a year. It's a year. Guess what? It's probably going to be a lot like last year. Um, sorry. Spoiler alert. It's not going to be a lot different. Next Next December, everyone's going to be like, oh, 2022, what a fucking bullshit year. Bring on 2023. Again, you must accept life is suffering. Every year is going to kind of suck in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it you will. And then you'll die. Moments of joy. And then you'll be dead. And then it'll all be over. Life sucks, then you die. That's the motto. You heard it here, folks. Uh, <laughs> have a good time in Nolens And uh, tell Mike Sal we said hi. We're very sad that he couldn't join us on the podcast, but he's welcome back anytime. Okay, great. I'll let him know. And he will hear it on the podcast. So I don't have to mention it at all, actually, when I see him. Okay, fabulous. Hasta <laughs> la pasta, folks. Happy New Year. Bye.
Life's Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.